welcome to Shit That Scares Me, where we talk about all of the scary things in the world. I'm your host, Teresa, and this is my very first episode. I'm really excited. I have been thinking about doing this for a long time, but in my first episode, I wanted to talk about the event that inspired me to really get off my ass and create this podcast. Um, The insurrection at the Capitol... Uh, the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Um, now, I know we all know basically what happened on this day. Uh, if you're an adult or even if you're a teenager or even if you're in middle school, uh, you no doubt saw plenty of news coverage and in the ensuing months have seen plenty more news coverage. But I wanted to talk about the people who decided that they were going to storm the Capitol and uh, why they did it and why I find it so terrifying. So the basics. The reason why January 6th is a big deal is because that is the date uh, that Congress was meeting to certify the results of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. And this is something that is dictated in the Constitution. It's like the second Monday after the first Tuesday after the third Friday. Like, I'm being hyperbolic here, but it's something that is dictated in the Constitution. This is the particular day that they meet to certify the election every four years. So the thing that I thought was funny, but not in a haha funny way, in a sort of a strange way, is that this happens every four years. And Nobody ever talks about it. It's not a thing that makes the news. It's not something that people get really involved in. But for some reason, this year, this was the day that they pinpointed that all of these hopes for the 2020 election were hinging on. So for months at this point, um, this point being January 6th, former President Trump had claimed that the election had been stolen from him. And this was his last chance to stop the steal, quote unquote, stop the steal. He wanted Vice President Mike Pence to use his power as president of the Senate to overturn the results of the election and only count electors that had been appointed for Trump. Anybody can tell you that this is unconstitutional and illegal and vice president, any vice president doesn't actually have this power. But the morning of January 6th, there was a big rally and thousands of people showed up in Washington, D.C. from all over the country to try and go to this rally and support Trump and hear um, Donald Trump and his son and Rudy Giuliani and a whole bunch of other people speak um, and talk about how they need to take their country back and yada, yada, yada. Um, Parts of these speeches was about fighting for the country and trial by combat. And there was some really like inflammatory, violent, uh, violent language in these speeches. Um, and you can argue, you know, people should have known that they weren't supposed to go and storm the Capitol afterwards. But, you know, that uh, is for defense lawyers to argue, not for me to argue. Now, after the speeches, 
I mean, one of the last things that Donald Trump said to his followers was, let's march down to the Capitol and I'll march with you and we're going to go and show support for the courageous Republicans that are standing up for uh, our claim that the election was stolen. And we're also going to go and make sure that the Republicans not standing up for us know that we're there and know that we think they're cowards or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. So that's exactly what happened. Minus Trump uh, marching with them because he definitely didn't. He turned around and went back into the White House. But um, thousands of people marched from um, near the White House where the rally had taken place down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol building. And there was some, you know, minor protections set up and Capitol Police were there and um, they were kind of like half prepared for any uh, anybody that wanted to storm the building, but they really weren't prepared. Um, and that's what happened. The Capitol Police were overwhelmed. They couldn't get any backup from the National Guard and hundreds, if not thousands of people stormed into the building. These people that were storming into the building, they sent tweets, they sent texts, they live streamed themselves. There's evidence of this happening all over the internet of hundreds and hundreds of people doing this. And not only were they using like mainstream social media sites like Facebook, but they also were using uh, an app called Parler which actually was supposed to be Parlay, but somehow it ended up being Parlor. Uh, that was like a more independent social media site that didn't have the kind of oversight or um, like moderation that Facebook tries to or Twitter tries to. It's clear from the videos and tweets and everything else that these people went there with the goal of fighting. A lot of them were wearing tactical gear and carrying weapons. Some of them had uh, zip cuffs, um, which aren't like regular zip ties. If you've ever maybe been in a club and gotten a little too rowdy, you know what zip cuffs are. They're large zip ties, but they're made to be handcuffs. They're not made to be normal zip ties. Anyway, uh, a bunch of people had zip cuffs. Um... And the invasion lasted a few hours, but uh, eventually they were able to get it back under control and lawmakers were able to meet and certify the election, obviously, since we now have Joe Biden as our our president. While this was going on, um, senators, congresspeople, even the vice president were whisked out of the Senate chambers and taken to the undisclosed, you know, secret, safe location uh, that is really only reserved for, like, nuclear war and uh, really scary, dangerous situations. Um, but that's where our lawmakers had to hide while this was all going down. And that's, that's really scary, too, to think that the people who are making our laws were under attack from our own citizens. And that's really the crux of it. But I want to talk about some reasons why this happened. First and foremost, Donald Trump is a liar. 
And there's really no getting around that. Um, he said for months, and even still, uh, he made a speech last week or two weeks ago now at the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, CPAC, and repeated more of these election lies and stated that the election was stolen from him and that he's the rightful president of the United States. That's a lie. That is an objective lie, and it's easy to disprove. Even if it wasn't easy to disprove, even if there was going to be a shred of doubt in anybody's mind about whether or not this is true, more than 60 judges, many of them appointed by Trump himself and therefore kind of have a vested interest in whether or not he stays in office, um, but more than 60 judges found that there was no evidence of election interference. And many of them said on the record in their opinions that the evidence presented to them was ludicrous at best. Now, if all of this evidence that like Trump and his team claims that they have, why wouldn't they want to present it to the American public? Why wouldn't they be on every news channel every night showing all this evidence. The only thing that we ever saw as far as evidence was that Rudy Giuliani had a pile of papers. I mean, that's not really, that's not really evidence. We didn't see the affidavits. We didn't, we didn't actually see any of this stuff. So Donald Trump is a liar, but thousands and thousands of people believed him and still believe him. In addition to those lies, there's Q. Now, at some point in the future, I want to talk about the phenomena that is QAnon, um, because I find it fascinating, but also really terrifying. Um, but if you don't know what QAnon is, there is an individual who goes by the code name Q. This person claims to be a high-level uh, um, official in the Trump administration who has inside knowledge of all of these government inner workings. This person, whoever they are, posts on primarily 4chan, but there are other places. Uh, and the things that they come up with are objectively insane. And uh, I don't use that term lightly. I think that it, you know, is used as a derogatory term for people with mental health problems, but these theories and these accusations are insane. Uh, one of them is that Washington, D.C. is run by a cabal of Democrats who worship Satan, are cannibals, drink the blood of babies, uh, run sex trafficking rings, um... All these, all these things that, like, the worst conspiracy theories pulled off the internet are the things that this person posts. He just kind of mashes them all up and, and posts them on 4chan. 
another one of the conspiracies uh, that this person posts was that um, Donald Trump didn't actually lose the election and he was going to show up at Joe Biden's inauguration and execute everyone and take office again because the this Q person really pushes the idea that Donald Trump is the savior of America. Um, some of the more recent uh, conspiracy theories have been and just as outlandish. Um, but there are people who actually believe these things and who believe that uh, Q might be Donald Trump himself and that everything that Q says is true. And you saw that. Uh, in in seeing footage of the riot on January 6th. People in Q shirts and people flying Q flags. He This Q person is like an unofficial mascot. Um, and, and people really believe that everything that comes out of Q's mouth is absolute truth. And I really think that part of why people are so quick to believe the things that come out of Q uh, and the why they're so fast to believe what Donald Trump says is not only because they are not applying critical thinking, but also because people are feeling disenfranchised and people are angry. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of economic insecurity since the start of the pandemic and even before that. And and pe- so many people in this country are just so angry about the things that are happening to them. And they saw Trump as their way of fixing things that he was going to save them, uh, which isn't true. I mean, he's a, he's a businessman and the only person that Donald Trump really looked out for was Donald Trump and his interests. So, um, you know, arguably he wasn't interested in doing anything for the American people, but they're also angry because now they think that their vote was stolen. We're talking about the kind of people who aren't super into voting in the first place uh, and don't think that their vote really matters. But now they went and voted and they did their civic duty like everybody was telling them they're supposed to and their vote was stolen. And I can't blame them for being angry. I do blame them for what they did, but I don't blame them for being angry. Um, You know, I also blame them for not trying to have a little bit more uh, view things with a little bit more of a critical edge and not just accept the word of one dude who has a vested interest in remaining in power. So anyways, so many people went to this event, um, but I want to talk about a few individuals in particular. Some of the ones that I found particularly terrifying, honestly. Um, the first is he's been like the the guy you think about when you think about this riot. His name is Jacob Chansley. He's also known as the QAnon shaman, the guy with the horns who went bare-chested and showed off his chest tattoos and his American face paint. Yeah, his name is Jacob Chansley. Uh, he is the author of two self-published books. He's also a conspiracy theorist and a frequent protester. 
Uh, he has, um, over the summer, was frequently protesting the Black Lives Matter. He was a counter-protester. He protested with law enforcement when they were protesting Black Lives Matter. Uh, he also is a uh, environmental activist, which is kind of ironic um, because he is such an ardent supporter of Donald Trump. Um, most environmental activists are not. Um, he also was in the Navy. Uh, he was not kicked out of the Navy, but kind of kicked out of the Navy after he refused a vaccine. Um, they shuffled him around a little bit after he refused it, uh, and he didn't really do anything um, super critical in the Navy to begin with. He was some kind of a clerk. But uh, after refusing the vaccine, that was kind of the beginning of the end of his Navy career. Since then, he has spent most of his time protesting and following along with Q online. And he's a really big adherent to the Q conspiracy thing. Uh, that's why he's the QAnon shaman. He also claims to subscribe to shamanistic beliefs, um, which is sort of like an amalgamation of like um, indigenous Northern American beliefs and uh, a bunch of different indigenous tribes. He just sort of smushed all their beliefs together and he calls it his belief system. Which led to his claim when he was in jail, because he was arrested shortly after the protests. I mean, like I said, uh, there weren't many of these people who were shy about what they were doing. Uh, their videos and photos were all over the internet. So they were able to find him pretty quickly and arrest him. And uh, he was in jail for about a month, uh, and he petitioned a judge to allow him to be on an all-organic diet in jail, <laughs> because that's what, you know, he claimed it was his religious belief that he only eat organic. And the jail where he was being held didn't have an organic diet as a dietary option. They had like kosher and halal, but since the shaman dude, since his belief system doesn't actually exist, they weren't able to fulfill his, his request for an all organic diet. So his lawyer uh, was able to convince the judge to move him to a different uh, jail. Um, and, allow him to eat organic. And I've seen pictures of him from the time that he spent in jail and he has lost like a significant amount of weight. So it could be that he was on a starvation diet and uh, the judge felt it was in his uh, best interest, in the prisoner's best interest to move jails. I can only speculate about that though. So now uh, it's come out in the last week or so that he is giving interviews and begging his judge to help persuade the judges and the American public that he should be allowed to go free. 
Uh, he appeared on 60 Minutes last week without the authorization of the court, claiming that he wasn't attacking the country on January 6th. He was defending his country as any good patriot should, and that he was invited there by his president to come and help protect the country. He also did an interview with NBC News, again, without the authorization of the court. Uh, and in this interview with NBC, he states, and I quote, The fact that we had a bunch of our traitors in office hunker down, put on their gas masks, and retreat into their underground bunker, I consider that a win. End quote. Which is interesting. Um... That shows, at least to the uh, outside observer, it shows that he was really interested in scaring people and in potentially doing harm on January 6th. Um, there were Facebook posts and videos showing uh, Mr. Chansley sitting in Mike Pence's chair on the Senate floor and calling Mike Pence a fucking traitor. And if you've paid any attention to this event at all, you'll know that there were um, more than a couple of people chanting, hang Mike Pence, and uh, really interested in finding Mike Pence and hurting him. Um, that didn't happen. So again, we can only speculate about what their goal was. But it was pretty clear from the way that they acted that they were interested in hurting Mike Pence. I'm not a fan of Mike Pence, and you may be able to tell I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. But I don't think that uh, going to the Capitol with the um, goal of murdering someone, anyone, regardless of whether or not it's a lawmaker, I, I, I don't condone murder. Uh, just personally, but going there with that aim uh, is definitely a crime. However, Chansley's lawyer has argued that he was actually a peaceful protester, despite the aforementioned video and photo evidence that clearly shows him entering the building, arguing with uh, security guards, being in part of the crowd that chased a Capitol Police officer up the stairs. Also, he was carrying a fucking spear. When was the last time that you went to a peaceful protest with a spear? I've been to many peaceful protests, some of which even, like, devolved into um, more violent things. Never taken a spear. So... Mr. Chansley is now facing up to 20 years in prison. 20 years. And due to his conduct and his refusal to acknowledge that he actually broke any laws, he's being denied bail pending trial because the judge believes that he is a danger. And I can't say that I disagree. Uh, the judge, when he denied uh, Chansley's request to be set free, and because... He asked to be set free. He didn't ask for bail. He wants to be set free and let go and have the charges dropped and just go about his life. But uh, in his response to this request, 
the judge, whose name is Royce C. Lamberth. Uh, he called the requests, and I quote, so frivolous as to insult the court's intelligence, end quote. The judge also stated, the statements defendant has made to the public from jail showed that defendant does not fully appreciate the severity of the allegations against him. To the contrary, he believes that he, not the American people or members of Congress, was the victim on January 6th. I believe that's telling um, that he, because he was there at the invitation of the president, he doesn't think that laws apply to him. So that's Jacob Chansley. There's also Jenny Cudd. Uh, she's the woman who owns the flower shop who was allowed to go to Mexico on a vacation that she had planned prior to January 6th, which made me laugh because so the timeline for this event was she planned vacation, paid for it, went to a riot <laughs> and thought she was going to just like casually still go to Mexico afterwards. Like, what is that? Um, so I find that very funny. She's, uh, someone who helped break down Nancy Pelosi's door and there's video of her doing this. Um, she also, there's also video of her stating that she was proud of what she and other patriots had done on that day. The judge did grant her permission to go to Mexico. She was able to do that. But now uh, her lawyer is attempting to move her trial to Texas, claiming in court documents that D.C. is too democratic and too anti-Trump to give her client a fair trial. Uh, she's claiming that the issue centers around Donald Trump, not her client, which is a weird way to think about it, but I... I mean, it's kind of true in a roundabout way. The issue is about Trump, about what her client did in defense of Trump. But I'm not a lawyer. I don't know about lawyery things. Um, the quote that I found um, from her lawyer said that uh, her client wouldn't get a fair trial because Democrats refer to all Trump supporters as white supremacists. So there's going to be race baiting from the prosecution. And she says, how many potential jurors will, will disobey the social pressure to punish Ms. Cudd for being politically incorrect? End quote. So that's, that's a dick way of putting things. Uh, and I can imagine that there would be plenty of people who um, are minorities, black, brown, Asian, etc., who would be able to put aside their beliefs about Donald Trump to give this woman a fair trial. I also believe that there are plenty of white people who wouldn't give her a fair trial because she's fucking guilty, myself included. Um, but this is a developing story. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Jenny Cudd. Uh, another individual who is there that day, Derek Evans, the lawmaker from West Virginia. Uh, he was a first-term uh, member of West Virginia's House of Delegates, sworn into office on December 1st, 2020. On January 6th, he filmed himself at a riot. On January 8th, he was arrested. And on January 9th, he resigned. 
Uh, he's keeping a low profile right now, uh, as he probably should. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to a riot, you perhaps should not film yourself just in general, but especially if you're an elected member of a state legislature. Riley June Williams, the 22-year-old who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop and attempted to sell it to Russian intelligence agency. Uh, she uh, came out uh, recently that she also has ties to Nazi groups uh, or in militia groups and uh, is an avowed Nazi. So that's great. Um, Jenna Ryan, the real estate agent from Texas, uh, who was a member of a Stop the Steal group on Facebook, and saw that some cute guy was inviting people to go to Washington with him on a private jet. And she accepted because, of course, you just get on a private jet to go to a, a rally with some random guy off the Internet. Who doesn't do that? Um, she did take a friend with her, so she wasn't a complete idiot. But still, like, you would not catch me ever doing this, but I, I work, uh, in online dating, so I perhaps am more suspicious than most. Um, but she claims that she went to the rally to hear Trump speak in the morning, and then her and the entire group that she was with went back to the hotel, and they didn't plan to go out for the rest of the day. They were just going to kind of hang out around the hotel. And the group she was with, they changed their minds, and they decided that they wanted to go to the Capitol. And of course, she wasn't going to stay at the hotel alone. So she went with them and somehow accidentally went to a riot. Um, this is ludicrous because, again, she, just like most of the rest of them, she live streamed herself in the Capitol building. There are photos of her next to broken windows. Um, you know, with big smiles and thumbs up and, uh, real excited about being terrifying. Um, she also live streamed herself in the building and made a bunch of social media posts about, uh, the revolution. And, um, one of the posts on Twitter said, quote, we just stormed the Capitol. It was one of the best days of my life, end quote. After her arrest, uh, she pled with Trump to pardon her uh, and said, quote, I'm facing a prison sentence. I think I don't deserve that, end quote. Uh, at the time, she also stated she was glad she was there because she witnessed history and she'll never get a chance to do that again. F fuck, I hope not. I hope nobody ever has the chance to do something like this ever again. Um... And, you know, like the other rioters, she didn't receive the pardon she so desperately wanted from Trump, who she was just fully in support of. Um, and, you know, she really thought she deserved this pardon because she didn't do anything wrong. Now, uh, she says, quote, I bought into a lie and the lie is the lie and it's embarrassing I regret everything, end quote. 
though I'm inclined to believe that she only regrets it because she got caught and didn't get pardoned. Um, That seems to be the way of things. Uh, I left my, I don't want to say favorite, um, high-profile protester for last, but he's certainly the shittiest of all the shitbags um, that have been really high-profile. His name is Guy Refit or Refit. Uh, he's the individual who told his kids that he would shoot them uh, if they turned him into the FBI. Uh so he didn't tell his family that he had gone to the protest. And when he got back a couple of days later, he told them where he had been. And his family was really scared for him because they knew what had gone down. And what he said to them was, if you turn me into the FBI, you're traitors. And you know what happens to traitors? They get shot which I guess you could argue was not him directly threatening his children, but it kind of sounds like he's threatening his children. Uh, His son, who is 18, had tipped off the FBI about his activities prior to him even going to the Capitol. Um, So it was a little late at that point, but uh, his son, after it came out that he had turned his dad in, um, his son, like, was kicked out of the house, and it was a whole terrible thing. I feel bad for this kid. He's 18 years old, and now he's completely on his own and basically hiding from his father. And that's terrible. Refit or Refit is a member of uh, a few different racist and potentially violent militia, group, uh, militia groups. Uh, one of them is the Three Percenters, which is, um, they've got some weird convoluted connection they believe to the original colonists and the revolution and it's a whole big thing but they are violent and um are known to be really racist um now this guy's wife has been interviewed a bunch of times and has said that his kids were disturbed by the comments he made to them but that he's not a violent person Uh, Sometimes he's just too passionate and says things he doesn't really mean. His daughter uh, was testifying in, not testifying, but gave uh, testimony in a hearing uh, this week um, to try and get her dad out on bail. And her testimony echoed her mother's saying that he would never hurt us and Sometimes he goes too far, but he's not a violent person. He's not a danger to anyone. And listening to these women defend him, I can't help but be reminded of all the, like, battered women who defend their abusers to the ends of the earth. And it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um... You know, there's no doubt in my mind that this guy was violent to his family. You don't just, like, wake up one day and decide you're going to join a militia and storm the Capitol. And he wasn't just storming the Capitol. Like, he was wearing tactical gear. He had a GoPro on his head, uh, or on his chest, rather. And he, like, he, like, was ready to go, and he wanted to have a record of what he did on that day. 
this is not a thing you don't plan for. It was, it was totally, totally planned. And, um, you know, he, he demonstrated terrible decision-making if this was like a, a random thing that happened, though he did also take guns to the Capitol and that shows premeditation. So you don't accidentally drive from Texas to Washington, D.C. with guns and not know it. Um, so his request for bail was denied by his judge, but the judge was really compassionate and I thought really kind to his wife and daughter. Um, and uh, if the judge didn't think that this guy was a danger to society at large, I'm sure he would have let him out on bail because um, he seemed like he was really touched by their testimony. Um, anyways, these are just a handful of the people who did this awful thing on January 6th. And the investigations are ongoing. Um, many have been charged, but many are still at large. Um, many of them are QAnon adherents. Many of them are still loyal to Trump and show no remorse about what they did. Um, in the aftermath Two Capitol Police officers have committed suicide over this. They were so distraught about what happened and their role in it that they actually took their own lives. And that's on top of um, the officer who was killed by rioters. Um, those two individuals who assaulted the police officer, Sicknick, uh, with the fire extinguisher were arrested this week. Um, police officers on scene have described a complete lack of planning and support. Law enforcement didn't take the threats uh, seriously in the run-up to the January 6th, uh, which is insane to me because, um, you know, you're talking about coordinated and um, specific details about these gatherings. Like, they were being planned out in the open. How could they not be taken seriously? Uh, it's also come out uh, just today, actually, that the Army was initially uh, really resistant to the idea of sending the National Guard for backup, uh, and nobody really understands why, other than the optics. They thought it wouldn't look good to have National Guard uh, stationed around the Capitol. Um, which, okay, fine, it looks bad, but you need you need backup when things like this happen. The Capitol Police Force is so small that when armed protesters come marching down Pennsylvania Avenue, the Guard should be there. That's what they're there for. Um, and while Donald Trump was acquitted in his second impeachment trial, um, he is facing civil charges for all kinds of things in a bunch of different states. Like Georgia is doing an investigation about the phone call that he made to the Georgia Secretary of State and the inspector, um, the election inspector about voter fraud and there's just there's 
investigations from so many different places. And lawmakers in Congress are calling for an investigation, sort of like they did with 9-11, to figure out what happened with the riot, but nothing has really uh, moved with that yet, and it could take years uh, for us to really know what happened and have that report. Um, and every day, every single day, new stuff comes out about this, where they have arrested new rioters and, and have new information. And, um, you know, I don't, it's not dominating the news cycle like it did for the first week after the riot, but there are still, uh, information comes out every single day. Why does this scare me so much? And I've thought a lot about this. And my initial reaction that day as I watched it unfold, the thing that I just kept thinking was, I live in America. I live in the United States of America. This doesn't happen here. Americans don't do these things. We have a peaceful transition of power. People accept their election defeats. It just doesn't happen here. And I don't want to say that, you know, Americans are better than this or that uh, it was impossible that it could happen here because neither thing is true. America has a very dark underbelly and it uh, there's all kinds of people in America who absolutely would do something like this. But at the same time, they never have. They may have talked about it, they may have threatened it, but they've never been able to pull off an attack like this because they've been stopped by someone or someone took their threats seriously and reported it and law enforcement did their jobs. And it just like was a whole like confluence of events to like a perfect storm of bullshittery that made this happen. And I just kept thinking, this doesn't happen here. This happens in other places, in little countries run by dictators that we can't even find on a map. This does not happen here. And to an extent, I still believe that. This is not a thing that happens in America. We don't have tanks rolling down the streets. And like even the president, when the president wanted tanks to go rolling down the streets, the military said, no, you're an idiot. And it's just like, it doesn't happen here. And sure, these people disputed the idea that the 2020 election was free and fair. Um, and this speaks to a, a total disregard of actual facts. Like I said earlier, uh, state officials, judges, so many people, um, have have reviewed the facts of the case and said, no, this was a free and fair election. Even Trump's own Justice Department, uh, Bill Barr, one of Trump's biggest defenders, said that this was the most secure election in American history. But at the same time, people kept believing his lies. Why? And this is the part that scares me. Why is it easier or better or anything to believe what Trump says over judges and state officials and, you know, even people that Trump has appointed. Why? Why do you believe Trump instead of all of these people? How does that happen? Um, 
And also the Capitol building hadn't been breached like that in more than 200 years since the War of 1812. Uh, You know, we've been embroiled in so many conflicts in the last 200 years and had so many wars and there's been so much upheaval and riots and, and everything that you can possibly imagine has happened in this country in the last 200 years. But the capital was always like sacrosanct. They, even during the Civil War, they didn't breach it and nobody went parading through the Capitol building with a fucking Confederate flag. That happened in 2021, though. And that's that's terrifying, too. Like, people who want to bring back Confederate values and make them American values? No, that's disgusting and terrible. And, like... A person's humanity does not depend on the color of their skin. It depends on the kind of person that they are. And by that definition, Donald Trump is less of a person than any of the black people that these Confederates might have a problem with. It just scares me how many people were more than willing to believe lies on Facebook and Twitter and then use those lies as justification for a violent insurrection. I mean, they committed domestic terrorism. And they don't see it as domestic terrorism. They see it as patriotism. And as the only way to prevent the country from being, quote-unquote, stolen. Stolen by whom? What? How do we make America great? What? Great for who? Because what's great for one person might not be great for everybody. And that's what I want to know. Like, are these people trying to or wanting to punish anyone who doesn't adhere to super traditional, super conservative values? Because that's most of the country at this point. Uh, You know, women work, women vote, women have opinions. Same thing with black people. Same thing with Asians. Same thing with gay people. And gay people are going to tell you that they're gay. They're not going to go back in the closet and shut up about it. Sorry, if you don't like that, maybe you shouldn't live in America because that's what America is now. And this doesn't, like, all this stuff didn't only happen in D.C. Um, There were also threats uh, and protests at state capitals. Uh, I happen to live in a state capital. Uh, I live outside of the state capital of New York, Albany. While I don't live downtown, I live close enough where something like this happening in Albany would be really fucking scary. I also happen to live in a state where uh, the governor is deeply unpopular with conservatives. Now, at this point, I'm recording this uh, in the middle of March 2021, and at this point, Andrew Cuomo is deeply popular with a lot more people, but uh, at the point of, you know, January 6th, he was primarily unpopular with uh, conservatives, people who love guns, and I guess the people who work for him. Um But, like, I remember during the 2018 midterms, the last time Cuomo won won re-election, and talking to, um, like, my conservative family members or hearing uh, 
about conversations with conservative people, they were all so, so angry and felt like their votes didn't count and their voices weren't being heard and and all of these things because they lost. And they didn't understand the difference between my guy lost and I'm being silenced. Now, New York is overwhelmingly uh, democratic. And I'm not just talking about the city. I'm also talking about upstate where I am. Uh, there are four major cities in upstate New York, Albany, Rochester, Syracuse, and Buffalo. And all four cities uh, have a population of like an average of a million people. And those cities are overwhelmingly democratic. The outlying areas may not be, uh, are, you know, you get more conservative the farther away from the cities you get, but there aren't that many people outside of the cities. And, you know, the, uh, land mass of a place like, um, Wyoming County might be more than like Monroe County, but there's three times as many people in Monroe County. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have the exact figures, but like Monroe County has like over a million people. Um, and some of these other outlying counties definitely do not, they have like a 10th of that. So, um, but I remember thinking to myself, how do these people not know the difference between being silenced and just losing? And I'm still asking myself that same question three years later. So, how am I dealing with this fear? And this is a really interesting question because uh, anybody who, especially during the pandemic, has found that they, um, like, can't stop worrying about stuff or that they get really worked up about the news or whatever. Um, and it's not uncommon. Uh, and I've had that problem too. So this is how I'm dealing with it. First therapy, 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 therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. Um, for everybody, not just people with mental health problems, um, or think that there's anything, you know, quote unquote wrong with them. Uh, it's just nice to have someone else's perspective about issues and about your life and about things that I have to deal with every day. And, you know, somebody who's going to tell me that either I'm totally not imagining things or that I am out of my mind, like to have that outside perspective. Like I know my friends and family are going to give me their opinions or and whatever, but it always has more impact when it's coming from somebody outside that. In addition to therapy, I periodically take, uh, like news breaks. I will, um, lock down the news apps on my phone. I won't, um, listen to any news podcasts or any political podcasts. I try to like just detox completely from any current events for a few days. And that usually helps. Um, it's never more than about 
two or three days because I start to feel like I, I have no idea what's going on in the world after that. But um, that is enough to significantly reduce the amount of stress and anxiety that I have about the fact that the world is going to hell. Same goes for social media. Uh, I love social media just as a concept, because I love the idea that people on opposite sides of the world can communicate for free and not uh, have, you know, telecom or whatever standing between them and trying to charge them for it. Like I can send a message to somebody uh, on Twitter that's like in Ghana or something. And, and that that is really cool to me that it's made the world so much smaller. At the same time, uh, a lot of what goes down on Twitter, especially, uh, is really terrible and negative. And, um, you know, there's trolls everywhere, but recently I feel like Twitter is the fucking worst. Now, the exception to this is Instagram, because Instagram is where the puppies and all the cute things live. And, um, I generally, uh, really enjoy cute things and they make me feel better. So, uh, even when I'm on my social media diets, I will still look at Instagram and I will look at puppies and baby cats and baby birds and just, you know, baby animals of all kinds. I'm a fan of them. Uh, when I feel myself, um, getting super anxious about all this stuff, I also remind myself that worrying about it and stressing about it and having all this anxiety about it doesn't actually help anything. It's only hurting me. It's not actually helping fix the problem. Uh, so it, it's pointless. And I have to like, repeat this to myself over and over again. Like, don't worry about it. It's pointless. Don't worry about it. It's pointless. Um, until my brain like really accepts the fact that it is in fact pointless. Um, and then if, if none of that works and I'm still super stressed and super anxious, uh, I just breathe and I've taken to, I don't want to call it meditating, but like if I take a couple minutes and just focus on my breathing and try not to think about anything else just for like two or three minutes, uh, I usually end up feeling a lot better. Um, you know, I don't feel myself spiraling quite as much and that, that has been really good. I've only been doing that since the start of the pandemic. Um, but it has proven to be very, very useful. So that's how I'm dealing with all this fear and stress and anxiety about the fact that some people attempted a coup. Um, I hope that, uh, you are not stressing the same way that I am, but if you are, try breathing. It might be helpful for you. Um, so that's my first episode. Yay. That I'm really excited about this. Um, and thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed my first episode, you can rate, review, and subscribe. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all the big ones, um, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, those reviews are super helpful. So uh, if you wanted to leave me a review, I would be eternally grateful. Uh, especially because the show is so new. It just tells Apple that I'm not a lunatic. Um, 
You can also follow me on social media or send me an email. Uh, All of those details along with my sources uh, and basically all of the pertinent information for my podcast will be in the show notes. So check those out. Uh, And until next time, don't let shit scare you.